Hey guys, ever notice how I don't run any ads? It's because I want you to have a great listening experience, and so I'd love to ask for a huge favor that can help other people. Do you know anyone who could benefit from listening to the show? If so, please share it with them. Message it to them, tag them in a post, take a screenshot and post it in your online groups or communities, or share it wherever you share stuff with the world and the people that you care about. I want to provide as much value as possible to as many of you as possible, and so your recommendations go a very long way in helping other people finding some hope and some healing. And me recording episodes on the podcast is the best way that I can do that for free. So I appreciate you, and let's jump into the show. Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm happy to have you here today. I got a special request from somebody who's listening. They sent an email with a handful of different podcast ideas and this was one of them that I wanted to jump in with. And the whole, the question that she had was helping people better understand the difference between pornography addiction and sex addiction and how to overcome this and what are the nuances in sex addiction that may or may not exist with pornography addiction because for some people it does escalate beyond uh, beyond pornography. And so I wanted to make this and give some feedback and tools and help for people where the addiction has escalated into acting out either with other people or even within the marriage. And so just to make sure that everybody's on the same page, I wanted to reiterate this idea that I've done on many other previous episodes, but I want to reiterate this idea that when somebody is struggling with an addiction, whether it's to pornography or sex or food or gambling, alcohol, drugs, like there are so many things that people can get addicted to. And whenever somebody is struggling with an addiction, it's almost always because they're struggling due to an underlying unresolved problem. In other words, an addiction on in any form is a coping mechanism for something that's unresolved underneath the surface. And it's critical to understand that because it's very easy to start to think that if somebody is struggling with pornography or a sexual addiction, that it's because of some deficiency in the relationship, their marriage, or maybe they're, you know, some people who don't understand addiction in this area will say, okay, well, if he's turning to somebody else or using sex in a marriage as a way to cope, then it's just because he's not getting enough sex in the relationship. Or if he's turning to porn, then he's not getting enough sexual attention in the marriage that could not be further from the truth. And I think there's so many well-intended people that give such very hurtful and damaging advice. And when they explain things in that way, it's not only so far from the truth, but it also comes off as blaming for the spouse, which again is completely untrue. And so that's why I wanted to reiterate, when when somebody's struggling with an addiction, it's because of an underlying unresolved issue and the addiction is the coping mechanism. So it isn't about sex. Just like somebody when they're gambling, it's not about money. It's the underlying reason why they're struggling. And so some people might ask, well, what's this coping about? Well, it's insecurities. They're coping from insecurities, feelings of low self-worth, inadequacy, fear, feelings of not being good enough. These underlying reasons are the thing that drives somebody's behavior. And so this is where I want to start to differentiate this a little bit, because again, it's like it's sex addiction and porn addiction. It's coming from ultimately the same or a similar root. But the thing, the shade or the nuance that's a little bit different when it comes to sexual addiction is usually 
and there's a few different reasons here, but there's one that I want to highlight today. And one of the largest reasons why I see people struggling with a sexual addiction is because of their belief about sex and what it means. All of our behavior is governed by our beliefs. Like, let's say if somebody says, well, making a lot of money means that I'm on the in crowd and I'm acceptable and I'm enough, that that just validates my worth. And that person is going to be driven to make a lot of money because of their belief that's wrapped around it. Or if they say, I need to make a lot of money to prove to other people that I'm good enough. Again, it's like it that if that's the driving factor, then oftentimes those people get just overcome, uh, they, they get absorbed in their work. And sometimes that can become an addiction for them where everything is just driven towards that because they're trying to prove something because of their belief around money. The same thing is true when somebody has a belief around sex. And one of the main beliefs that I find when behavior has escalated beyond pornography is the belief about sex and what it means to that person, which is why they seek it. And so often the meaning is if somebody gives me sexual attention or if I get sexual attention from somebody or my wife, then that means I'm, I'm enough. That means that I'm worthy, that I'm chosen, that I'm desirable, that I'm valid. And when that belief is connected to sex, that's the thing that so often can cause many, many problems for people. Even if it doesn't escalate outside of the marriage, if they're turning to sex as a way to validate their own self-worth, that's where a lot of times there's a big disconnect when people in their intimate relationship because they're compartmentalizing and making sex about something that it really isn't about meaning the more sex somebody has, that doesn't actually mean their worth increases. And I think a lot of people understand that on a logical level, but on an emotional level, if that's the thing that's driving it, again, because somebody can understand intellectually that it's not true, but if emotionally that's how they feel, then that's usually how they're going to respond and act. So I remember working with a, a, a client who had been struggling for many years before he came to see me and things had escalated outside of pornography into having multiple affairs in the relationship. Of course, this made the wife feel like she wasn't good enough and that she, like there was something wrong that he was turning to somebody else for that special part of their relationship. And of course there's tons of betrayal for her. And so we need to understand, okay, what was this about? What was driving this? We have to not only resolve the, the addiction and why he's been turning to this, we need to address the betrayal and the broken trust that goes along with that as well. And so we started off doing some individual work with him. And this is where I went with it, knowing, again, this is driven by these beliefs. I wanted to better understand how does he see sex? How does he see sexual attention? And this is exactly where he went, just kind of what I said earlier. It went to this idea that if I get attention from somebody else or just get sexual attention in general, then that means I'm enough, I'm acceptable. And we kind of went back into his history and he talked about how in high school, all the guys that he looked up to and respected, or uh, I don't know if respect is the right word, but like the people that he wanted to get in with on the in crowd, those are the people who were always getting the girls. And so he started to equate sexual attention with being on the in crowd, being cool, being accepted. And as a result of that belief, that's a part of why things escalated for him. And so we spent some time 
working through and resolving this belief and helping him disconnect from that old way of seeing it to helping him understand that those were not even on the same continuum. And we did some processing work. And the reason why I wanted to share this story is to help illustrate that these beliefs are what drive somebody to take action in whatever way they're doing it. And so for him, it was a way to cope from his sense of self-worth being low and desiring so much to be acceptable and enough. And of course, it doesn't work. It's like, a, it's like putting water into a bucket with a crack in it. No matter how much water you put into the bucket, it doesn't actually fill it up because it always continues to drain out. And this is what can be so, uh, so difficult is that because it doesn't actually work in terms of giving somebody worth, it gives them a very short-term dump of neurochemicals like adrenaline and oxytocin and dopamine, but it doesn't fill up somebody's sense of self-worth. It doesn't make them more worthy. It doesn't help them feel more acceptable. And so this is why sometimes, well, so often people get looped into this pattern. It becomes a hamster wheel because they get this short-term dump of chemicals and it doesn't fill their sense of worth. They go back to it in hopes that it starts to that, that, that it will. Again, if the belief is what drives this, beliefs are what drive our behavior. And then they turn into habits and their body, and then our body just kind of memorizes it. It's just like a script that it runs. But if underneath all that, again, these beliefs that sex equals I'm enough and I'm acceptable, they're going to keep turning to that behavior, even though it's not working intellectually, they just, it's, it's like their body responds to the belief. Then it can become a habit that then again gets looped in because the chemical release in the brain rewards the behavior. So they keep seeking it, even though it doesn't actually work. And so this is why I think so often people, it escalates to a sex addiction or somewhere on that continuum is because these underlying beliefs are driving it. And so sometimes women will wonder if the behavior escalates outside of the relationship if the husband turns to somebody else for sexual attention very often the women will wonder well why why is that happening why is he turning to somebody else instead of turning to me why is he going outside of the marriage and again there's a couple of different reasons for this one of them again is it's driven by these beliefs so let me go back to this uh example with the client that i was just sharing so he would still be intimate in his marriage with his wife. However, the dynamics in a marriage are so different. It require Marriages require vulnerability. They require openness. And so with this particular person, they would still be intimate, but because he knew what he was doing outside of the relationship, there would be a ton of guilt and lots of shame because he was keeping a secret from her. And there was a fear that if they were intimate or if they were well, because they were intimate, there was, there was fears while they were being intimate for him that she would be able to pick up on the fact that something just wasn't right and would be able to see into him or through him and this idea that he would then be found out, which again was causing anxiety and fears and stress and just kind of looped in the sense of like it looped in this hamster wheel of guilt and overwhelm and shame and wanting to feel like he's enough. And so this uh, these underlying issues would drive his behavior until we interrupted them and resolved what was going on underneath the surface. 
And so sometimes when it escalates beyond a you know beyond the marriage, again, understandably the wife will wonder, well, why am we'll kind of take it on and say it must be that I'm an, I'm not enough. He's turning to somebody else. He's seeking this from somebody else, which is outside of what we agreed on. When we get married, it's like this is between you and I. And so, of course, it causes tremendous amounts of pain and betrayal. And so often what I find is that it is driven by these underlying beliefs that sexual attention means I'm enough. And it escalates outside of the relationship in an attempt to get those fears, those insecurities reassured. And like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't actually work. But that's kind of why, like that's the the driving factor that I find when people it escalates beyond the relationship. And it's not that they never turn to their spouse and want to be intimate with their spouse. That that can be ongoing as well. But again, if sex is driven by a need for for validation, that's not that's not the source of it. A, a sexual experience with the spouse doesn't help the husband feel more worthy. But because if that's his belief, he's going to keep turning to that, hoping that it works. But inevitably, when it doesn't, it's like it, it fuels the reaching for that behavior. I hope that makes sense. Again, some of this stuff, especially is like when you're hearing this, it's like, no, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Why would he do this? This is why I'm trying to explain it in the best way that I can. Again, it's it's almost because it doesn't work, he keeps turning back to it. Again, the belief drives it. And if his experience doesn't actually align with the belief, if his experience doesn't give, like if he turns to sex and it doesn't make him feel more worthy, it's almost like, okay, well, I need to go back to that. You know, I just need to keep seeking it. It becomes this insatiable thing oftentimes because it actually doesn't work. And so let me share with you a bit, a bit of a different example here. What about when sex in a marriage, if, if the sexual addiction doesn't escalate outside of the marriage, what if it's happening just within the marriage and there's just a very compulsive seeking of it? I've worked with people before where if sex doesn't happen in the marriage, there's a, it, it elicits a lot of anger and resentment and manipulation and coercion. And all of those things, of course, they're, they're just, they're harmful. And the last thing that we want to do is link any kind of a negative experience to sex, which is what happens when there's anger and resentment and, you know, a husband might go into victim and blame and pout. That doesn't, that doesn't, create more desire or attraction from the wife. And I think, you know, when the husband does that, he knows that. But again, that's so often the result. It's a reflection that there's an under, there's something else that's underlying that's not being addressed. And so often it goes back to what we've been talking about today on the episode. It are these underlying beliefs that, okay, if she's not, if she won't have sex with me, then I'm not enough, then I'm not chosen, that she doesn't actually love me. And this is evidence of it. And so they get upset and they they will put a lot of pressure on the wife to have sex. While, yes, there's a physical element to sex, so often when that's the case, it's driven by so much more, which is, again, the need to feel loved. There's a research paper that was published outside of, out of the University of Ottawa. And this goes along with what I'm saying right here. If it's driven by pressure and coercion and manipulation and all of that. What the researchers discovered was that more securely attached partners, they identify, they they use sex. It's the motivation for sex is driven by a desire for increased closeness. 
So if you're securely connected with your spouse and you have that relationship where you can be open, you, you do feel safe, there is a level of closeness and trust that's there. The motivation for sex is largely because of a desire to get even closer or maintain that level of closeness. However, with anxiously attached people, or in other words, when people have this sense of uncertainty, the, the self-worth isn't super there, the disconnection in the relationship is high, there's like a sense of anxiety that comes from that. And when people are experiencing that, and there's this, there, these anxiously attached people, they report having sex to gain their partner's reassurance and avoid rejection. That is a very important point. And this research guides what we do in session because knowing that when somebody feels anxiously attached or if there's a lot of anxiety in the relationship due to disconnection and fears and a fear of rejection, fear of unworthiness, they often use sex as a way to get reassurance and to avoid rejection, like that study said. And so this is in terms of what do you do with this? Like, how do you resolve this now? Now that we're understanding, and then again, it's just usually a result of these beliefs about sex. And it's a way for them to cope with their pain. It's a way for them to cope with their insecurities and seek this reassurance. Then what do we do with this? In terms of healing, the path to healing is all about resolving these underlying fears. And then restructuring, reintegrating sex in a healthy way. You're doing those two couple, if you do those two things, your sexual relationship completely changes. And of course, you have to do the preparation work, right? This is not the conversation to have. If you if there is a total if if the betrayal is still active, if the if the pain of the betrayal hasn't been resolved, it's really tough to have a healthy sexual relationship with your spouse because there's so much damage there. And especially when it comes to pornography addiction or sexual addiction, now that area of the marriage has been damaged. So this is, again, like we have to sequence things in the right order. But ultimately, the way to resolve this is to process things and heal outside of this part of the marriage, rebuilding trust, developing a sense of connection, right? All of that is the foundation for being able to then repair the sexual relationship. But in order for somebody to resolve these underlying beliefs and heal and overcome a sexual addiction or a pornography addiction, I guess we're talking about sex addiction in this particular, uh, in this moment here, for somebody to heal from that and overcome it, we must address these underlying beliefs and resolve them. And then, again, knowing what the research says, we want to establish a sense of healthy and secure connection in the marriage. And so how do you do that? So one of the ways to do this is to be able to have conversations in, in the relationship where the husband can get in touch with his beliefs so again, there's a handful of different ways to do this, but the, one of the ones that I want to highlight today is identifying what the beliefs are, bringing them up, and having vulnerable conversations about them. And so what, what would that look like? So if the husband says, you know, if there's a lot of anxiety that revolves around sex, and there's a lot of fear, and he's using it for reassurance, he's using it to cope with inadequacies, and he wants just to, like, it's it's... It's him trying to feel valid about his worth. We first want to just talk about that. We want to have him express and share 
How does he feel about himself? What are these beliefs about himself? Does he feel the sense of inadequacy and not being enough? Him just opening up and identifying and sharing those things starts to change the conversation because just by talking about those and being vulnerable helps to relieve some of the pressure and the fear that's there. Brene Brown is huge on this idea that when shame is exposed, it cannot live in the light. So when somebody opens up and shares their fears and insecurities just by sharing them and having somebody else be there and listen and respond to them and understand them starts to heal that shame. Instead of that continuing to happen, we want to have a conversation about it happening. We want to have a conversation about what's driving that and talking about the fears and being able to resolve it and talk through it in that way is such a critical part of the process. And this is again where, depending on the stage where a couple is, you, you, you might have to do a lot of preparation work to get to that particular conversation. But the whole idea is that we want to build towards having those talks so the wife can better understand her husband, which ultimately we want these talks to lead to both people feeling reassured. And so if the wife hears her husband expressing his fears, that's a very different interaction than him pressuring her for sex. It's coming from the same place, though. It's coming from the fear. So if he can respond to the fear by sharing it, instead of pressuring her, that in and of itself starts to create safety. Now, to be clear, that doesn't justify it. It still causes damage no matter what the motivation is. I'm not saying that this is a justification or it's like, well, okay, he's afraid, so you know that's okay for him to do. It's not okay for that to happen. So this is why and how we are working with it. We need to better understand it because when the husband can understand how he's feeling and what's driving that behavior, the goal is for him to take the fear and instead of him reacting to his fear, it, the fear is at the core of it. You have two ways to respond to it. Number one, you either open up and share vulnerably or number two, you act out on the fear and you cause pressure and and uh, anger, like there's anger and resentment around sex. So in order to create safety, instead of him acting like that, we want him to take the fear and instead respond to it by sharing directly with the spouse. Again, that in and of itself can start to create a sense of safety because if she were to have him approach her and if he were to say, listen, I, I just want to share with you, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm noticing on the inside. I want to get better at paying attention to how I feel and I don't want to keep putting pressure on you. I know this doesn't work. I know you feel uncomfortable. It causes damage. And so this is what I'm discovering in myself is that it's being driven by this insecurity that if we're not having sex, my fear is that you don't love me. And I get scared because I want us to feel close. I want us to feel like we're having a good relationship. And that's more of what I'm understanding is driving this anger is that I'm just scared and I'm reaching for reassurance. If he were to share that with her, that's a completely different interaction than him actually then pressuring her and getting mad when she says no. And so that's one of the best ways for couples to start to work through these beliefs and strip away the power that they have is by sharing and then getting a sense of reassurance for the wife to then say, listen, whether or not we're being intimate, I care about you. I do love you. Intimacy is a special part of our relationship. And I want that to be something that happens between us being motivated by us wanting to connect with each other. 
Because independent of us being intimate or not, I still care about you. I still love you. And you're, you're already enough. Like I don't see you as inadequate. And however you perform doesn't mean you're more worthy. Or us having more sex doesn't mean you're more worthy. For me, I already see you as enough. And so it might take some preparation work for couples to have that type of conversation. Because maybe the wife isn't in a place to reassure him like that. And that's okay because maybe there's too much pain. Maybe there's just no trust. Maybe there's too much betrayal there. So the goal is to start to, to it's to start to work wherever you are. So if you're not able to have that conversation right that right right now, it's then resolving the things that might be getting in the way of that, which could be again betrayal and fear and insecurity and a lack of trust and a not and 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 self protection. So we then just start there. But this is the direction that we want to head because the more couples can talk on this level, and again, it goes both ways because the wife will have insecurities too. She's going to feel a sense of inadequacy oftentimes and a sense of fear that he's turning outside of the relationship or sex has become just a source of contention and pressure. She's going to want to have space to share that experience with him so he can, so that'll influence how he approaches sex because if he hears from her, Hey, when you put pressure on me, that's the last thing I want to do. Like I want to run and retreat and protect myself. Then that can help him understand, okay, this is affecting her in a very negative way, which can help influence his ability and capacity or intention rather his focus to then make changes in that area. So there's so many, and again, as I'm describing this episode, as I'm, as I'm speaking this right now, I'm just thinking that there's so many different nuances to this. There's so many different examples and stories that people have and experiences that people have. And so it's tough for me to speak to all of these, but I wanted to kind of just give an overview that so often it's driven by these underlying beliefs. And the goal ultimately is to identify those, process through them differently. And one of the ways to do that is by sharing Another way to do it is do some individual processing. I did some individual work with a client that I referenced earlier to help him detach from this belief that sex equals I'm enough. And again, there's different ways to handle that, but that's ultimately the goal is to identify what it is, process through it, and by sharing and helping you guys have different conversations with each other, kind of like how I, I give you a little bit of language for how that might look just a couple of minutes ago, having those discussions can help you start to create safety, build some more of that secure connection, which then can help you work together to process these beliefs differently so the behavior just ultimately changes. Again, whether you're working together or him individually, I think there's a place for both because we want to work together to heal the damage and to help the husband understand the effect of his behavior and for the wife to be able to feel understood, this is the path forward. And so again, the hope, the idea is that you guys can take some of these principles and know how they might apply in your relationship. Take what fits, don't take what doesn't. Because again, there's lots of different nuance to this, but that's the that's the idea. This is the direction that we want to go. So the more you guys can understand this and what's driving this and work towards resolving these core issues, that will be the thing that helps men overcome like as he's doing that individual processing, as he's doing the work in the relationship to let her in differently and to share with her differently, this is the this is the way to be able to resolve these core issues that manifest as the addiction. 
So I hope this helps. Please feel free. Again, I'd love to be able to serve in any way that I can, like I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode. And so for people who are listening to be able to uh, get the help that they need, and I'd love to address the situations that you guys are struggling with. So if there's a a situation that you want to email me with and say, hey, what would you do here? Or can you do a podcast episode about this? I'd love to get that feedback because again, this is my whole goal. It's just to serve you as the audience and to give in any way that I can. So knowing where you're struggling helps me to know how to create content. So thank you guys for listening. I hope this is helpful and I I look forward to continuing serving you in any way that I can. And I will see you or speak with you guys on the next episode. We'll talk to you soon. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.